Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Sales and Marketing Summit. I'm Thomas Watson, a trucking expert here at FreightWaves, and super excited to uh, have on and is joining me, uh, Mickey Cloud, Executive Director at the Sasha Group. Sasha Group. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> We're going to talk a little bit about the evolution and the new frontier of marketing. So for those of you folks who want to get a leg up and uh, catch up on what's been going on in the world post-pandemic, super excited to have him on. Mickey, welcome, sir. Thank you, Thomas. Yeah, excited to be here. And, you know, looking at coming from the pandemic, pre-pandemic, post-pandemic, uh, you know, describe to us a little bit about how's the how's the landscape kind of changed? Have we uh, are we going in like new directions or what are some things that people who are finally coming out of this post-pandemic world? What should they be aware of? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the, the fundamentals of marketing haven't changed right in terms of um, understanding consumer attention and behavior and how you can leverage that to drive action. But, you know. I would say that you know, you know, the the Sasha Group is part of uh, a VaynerX company, and, and we're led by Sierra entrepreneur uh, a guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, who has been kind of at the forefront of leveraging technology and and following consumer attention where it is today, and not necessarily thinking about the legacy uh, media platforms that you know maybe were building businesses five, ten, twenty years ago. But our, our, you know, he kind of calls it day trading attention and really understanding where um, attention is for consumers right now. And that starts with the phone, right? Like this is the number one device in, in, in a consumer's life, whether that's a, you know, whether it's a B2B decision maker or whether that's someone you're trying to sell, you know, cereal to. Um, and, and, you know, the pandemic has definitely, um, you know, there was definitely some shifts that, have, that, that caused, you know, consumer behavior to change. During the pandemic, on you know, um, at you know, during on specifically on the phone and, and and the apps that people are using, and we kind of um, I'd say the biggest one obviously is probably the the rise and emergence of TikTok. Um, you know, it 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 really saw a huge growth spurt in 2019 into 2020, and then in the pandemic, and beyond the platform itself and the usage of it. Um, you know, I think what the vertical video with sound on with kind of a feed that serves you content that you're interested in. So less based on necessarily maybe who you're following um, is has had implications across social media. Um, we kind of call it the TikTokification of social media. Um, and now you see it on Instagram and Facebook with reels. You see it on sh- you know, YouTube with shorts. And, and, and I think, you know, full screen vertical video um, and, and what TikTok has with that, that algorithm that, you know, you, this was this is really a, a pretty big shift in the social media landscape, which is where and, and we fundamentally believe that social media is where brands are being built today. Um, it's the place where you can build con- uh, brand relevance and and target you know the 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 actual um, you know the people that you're that you're the cohorts the audiences that you're going after, and kind of the, the you know the the. the the TikTokification of, of social really what, what that kind of breaks down to and what that means is, um, you know, for the past 10, 15 years, social media and apps on your phone were really built on you scrolling through a feed based on who you followed, right? So brands paid money or they spent a lot of effort and time to build up an audience and a following to then serve content to those people over time, right? What TikTok has done is, is it, it's more about kind of the merit of the content of the creative and you know it is now possible to not have hardly any following on TikTok but yet get content that is seen by thousands tens of thousands millions hundreds of thousands millions of people 
Um, and that and that kind of earned distribution of your content uh, was not as possible in a, in a LinkedIn, or it really wasn't even possible until you go back to like the early days of Facebook fan pages. Um, you know, LinkedIn has some of that built into it. Twitter has some of that built into it kind of natively, but TikTok has really kind of pushed that um, the furthest. So it feels like it's kind of forcing a bottoms up approach. So back in the past, like I'd buy a bunch of followers or I'd work on growing this brand where I had like 2 million followers and I'm just shooting it out there like a scatter shot, hoping eyeballs look at it. That's kind of where the TikTok TikTokification comes in, right? If I'm understanding it, is that how this algorithm's prioritizing, it needs to be authentic and then it boosts it organically bottom up. Yeah, and it, and and you know, you can certain you can run paid ads on TikTok and that and those we've seen, you know, that have a lot of success as well. But it has really, I think, to your point, it has made the quality of the content be um, at the forefront, right? And so where you have to be as relevant as possible, you have to be, um, you have to, you have to bring value. Um, and that's at the end of the day, that value can come in the form of entertainment. And that's what you saw in the early, like, you know, if you were headline reading in 2018 and 19, TikTok was teenagers dancing, right? Like, or silly, silly things like that. What we've seen through the pandemic and 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 certainly into now is TikTok's actually made up of deep kind of niche <laughs> communities where you know you can find you know you can have people talking about trucking and and really like you know what are the challenges that truckers face and what are the challenges that and how do you kind of uh, best navigate um, different road stops and things like that and like maximize your time or, or or your you know things that that are that are challenges for you when you're out on the road it can be you know how to how to learn how to garden, how to get like, there's so many things that where people are not are making serious content, not silly content, um, and are having a ton of success with it. And and so I think people, you know, especially in a B2B context, tend to scoff at the idea of using TikTok. Um, but I actually think that when most of the market is not paying attention to it is probably some of the best times to really get in there, learn, see what's working and and double down on that. That's what I was curious about is from a B, B2B context, because I know business to consumer, you can get those massive followings, you can get the brand, you can get the influencers, but business to business feels like it's uncharted. It's almost like you said, I'm going to keep it on my traditional legacy channels. Is that something where they should consider looking into uh, diversifying their spend and putting smaller portions into, you know, targeted things like TikTok? Because I know we talked a little earlier about legacy, uh, you know, traditional media like what we're used to, which is like biddable. And then looking at things like TikTok and reach, like how do you kind of make your mix if you're a marketing person trying to convince someone, hey, we need to get in TikTok for our business? Yeah, I mean, if you're if you're not the decision maker, ultimately, and you're trying to convince a boss or an owner to invest there, you know, the the best way is always just, all right, what's what's what percentage of the of, of the ad spend or of the overall marketing effort? can we put towards experimental platforms, right? And and then use whatever budget that is to create content for, you know, for TikTok. I, in a B2B context, LinkedIn immediately comes to mind as a platform that if, if you're not, if you're not, you know, if you're, if you're not thinking about necessarily like print or TV or out of home and you're like, all right, hey, I want to do more in digital. LinkedIn from people, not necessarily from, um, brands and and LinkedIn organic distribution. Like LinkedIn has a, you know, their feed works because there are more people consuming content on that platform than there are people making for it. So you alone putting out content two times a day 
four times a day, whatever it is. And I say a day, meaning, you know, it doesn't have to be, you know, the long, a long form article, you know, but it could just be, hey, here's an interesting question that I got asked the other day, or here's, you know, I think it goes back to bringing value, right? So is it education? Is it entertainment? Is it thought leadership? Is it presenting something in a new way with an infographic or something like that? And and so LinkedIn organic is certainly a place where um, you you can take advantage of kind of the earned distribution opportunities there. And then, you know, TikTok and Twitter are two platforms that in a B2B context where there tend to be thought leaders kind of in niche markets um, or niche industries. So supply chain, trucking, logistics, I guarantee you there are people on TikTok and Twitter and LinkedIn who are putting out tons of content day in and day out in those, um, you know, in those niches. And sometimes it could just be about, all right, let, let, let's, let's do some research and identify who those people are. Maybe they have a podcast, maybe they have a show. Maybe you reach out to them and say, hey, I have someone on our team who is a, a, a thought leader and expert on the topics you're talking about. Can I have them on your show or can I be on your show and, and can I show that off? And then you use that appearance on someone's podcast or, or show or whatever, and you create content off of that. I think that's another thing that with these channels, there's it's not just a make one piece of content and and move on to the next one. It's about how do you squeeze as much content out of the production effort that you're putting into it, whether that's an appearance on a podcast, whether that's um, a, a, an article that you're writing. You know, how do you turn that into five, 10, 20 pieces of, of content by breaking it down, by by taking out quotes from it, by, you know, inter- and then if you're the person who wants to host one of those shows, that's another way, that's a great way to, to do that as well. Because you, now you're inviting peers, you're inviting, you know, potential prospects and things like that onto your own platform, your own show. And, and you're providing content for them that way. It's a much, you know, from a sales perspective, it's much easier to, to reach out to someone and say, Hey, would you mind coming on my podcast? I'd love to talk to you about, you know, software implementation for freight brokerage brokerages, uh, then say, Hey, can, can I, uh, you know, can I, can I show you a demo of our, of our product, right? Like it's a much warmer way to kind of do some of that outreach and, and connection. I think that's cool. Cause like, it's almost incorporating, uh, you know, traditionally you'd make your article, your podcast, you send it and that's it. And it floats around. But I like where your approach is. That's something I feel like I need to do too, is uh, take the clip and like a clip from here, for instance, let's say if you're a brand, you can take the five, five or 10, 15, 20 second clip. Then you post it on like Twitter, you post it on TikTok or you have an article and you have someone talking with it in the background. Those are ways, like you said, that there's experimental platforms that you normally discount. You're still sewing it out because I think there's a cool concept we were talking about a while ago was um, about how you still want to use these platforms that are newer, even if they go away, because that audience is getting exposed and you want to hit them earlier versus later. I think in addition to that, you're building the muscle yourself, right? Like the only way to get good at making content on the internet is to do it right, like, and to do it and get and 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 see what works, see what resonates, and keep going at it. It's like push-ups, right? Like, you can't read about doing push-ups; you just have to start doing push-ups, and you start doing more and more and more. And so, I think that the, um, you know, the whether and, and I think the other thing to, to talk about is, you know, when you're making those clips, when you're pulling that out, it's about making it native to the platform. So, turning it into a tweet thread on Twitter is going to perform better than just taking a clip that's built for nine by 16 and like a YouTube, you know, landscape and throwing that up there. Or, all right, let's pull out the vertical video and add 
um, you know, caption, uh, captions over top of it with cuts to, um, you know, other videos or imagery that's going to make it so that you're not just staring at one person's face for 15 seconds, but you're, you've added some movement to it to make, to make it work on TikTok and Instagram reels. Um, you know, on LinkedIn, it's about pulling out kind of that, what's that one sentence kind of hook that gets someone into it to, to open in and, 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 and read further. And so it's, it's about not only building out those clips, but contextualizing them and tweaking them slightly and, and, for each platform, because like the voice I'm going to use on LinkedIn is probably different than the voice I'm going to use on TikTok, just to kind of be more native to those platforms. I like we're talking about voice because looking at older brands trying to get into this, uh, like think of planners. You uh, planners did a social media one. You have Wendy's. Like for folks who are usually like even in supply chain logistics or uh, a large uh, consumer retailer or something. Uh, what are some ways they can do it? What are some examples of success stories that maybe they can take that to their boss and say, hey, look at this brand that managed to get into it and here's how well they did? Yeah, I mean, I think there's you have a ton of examples in the CPG consumer world of brands that have, you know, made themselves more relevant by being, you know, less product heavy, more culturally relevant on platforms like Twitter and TikTok and things like that. So, you know, um, you mentioned planters and, and, um, you know, Wendy's, there's, you know, there's hundreds of brands, I would, you know, like Steakums is one of my favorites on Twitter to follow, um, you know, a frozen uh, meat <laughs> sandwich brand that like, has an existential identity on Twitter and like goes really deep. Like I think um, in Chattanooga, the moon pie brand is one that, you know, over the past five, six years has done a great job of kind of building out its personality. And it's a 100 plus year old brand that has kind of breathed new life um, through its voice on social channels. But then even thinking about the B2B space, you know, there's um, going back to that kind of thought leadership, there's a brand Oakley Trucking that um, is an owner operated uh, trucking uh, company. And they've done 130, they, they do a weekly podcast where they interview truckers, owner operators, they interview people from their industry. And it's all around like, what are the thought leadership you know, it, it's giving people in the industry a platform to, to show off what they know and to bring value. And, you know, they do a weekly podcast. I think they've done 130 something episodes now. And, and it's and they pull clips from it. And then they also use TikTok and Instagram to show off, you know, the more fun side of, of, their, of their people and of their personality and of their brand. And so, you know, I think that there's, I see when, when people kind of think of these channels in a skeptical way on uh, for a B2B purpose or for old consumer brands, it's, I, I always try to get them to flip and see it as an opportunity and, 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 and talk about what's the, you know, how, where are they wasting their dollars in other parts of the media plan or other parts of their marketing budget? And how can you siphon some of those out to, to put towards, you know, maybe an increasingly amount of money towards, um, you know, some of these digital platforms. And kind of like tying everything together for 2023, uh, you know, it's January, everyone's thinking of a new year. What are some things that we can do to rethink the landscape or what are some things we need to pay attention to this coming year, uh, especially that you're seeing in the media world? Yeah, I mean, vertical video had like, you know, it, last year was really the year where, where all the other platforms started to go really heavy in on vertical video. And and I think you're going to only continue to see that um, where, you know, understanding how to make native platform. I think like, so TikTok and Instagram both have a really great feature of a green screen, right? Where it is, they're creating tools to make it easier for brands and for people 
to create content on their platforms. So a great example of that, and you even brought it up, was like, is how hard is it to go into TikTok or Instagram, pull up the green screen, research some articles from your industry, pull, put that headline of the article on the green screen in the background and frame it so that you're just talking over that headline. Now that headline is written by someone else. It's an article, it's an opinion piece, it's a hot take. And then it's you providing your two cents over top of that. And that is something that takes very little production uh, you know, like experience to do. It's built into the app as, you know, a feature. It just takes you getting comfortable with it and and trying it a few times. And so things like that, where it's like, let's take take advantage of those kind of tools that are naturally built in. And I think the green screen one is uh, is a really easy, like, and, and also kind of almost like, just, I don't want to overhype it, but I think it's a really great way for B2B people to create content that is, you know, uh, it doesn't take as much, production effort as putting on a weekly podcast per se. And for folks wanting to find out more or get in touch, what's the best way to either contact you or learn more about uh, the Sasha group? Yeah, I mean, my, my email is mickey.cloud at the Sasha group.com. Um, our website is available. We offer um, education, consulting, branding and marketing services for growth stage companies for entrepreneurs and, and kind of companies up into the mid market. Um, VaynerMedia is our sister company that works with kind of the Fortune 500 brands of the world. There's eight companies underneath the VaynerX umbrella. So there's always different ways that we can kind of work with with partners and things like that. But yeah, um, email or, or just a direct inquiry on the website is probably the best way. Perfect. Uh, Mickey, find me so on LinkedIn. Yeah. <laughs> find oh, me on LinkedIn, LinkedIn too. Yeah, I got the LinkedIn plug. Absolutely. I love yeah. it. And I uh, just want to thank you as well for for coming on, giving us some, some insights here uh, as we're moving into the next frontier. And uh, folks, that's going to be it for this chat here at the Sales and Marketing Summit. Hang around, though. We've got a lot more folks as well. And uh, y'all take it easy.